Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. Learn more about Vox Community at voxoc.com. Join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at voxoc.com slash live and at the El Dorado Performing Arts Center. How are you? Are you good? Good. Happy post-Easter. Yeah. Right? Last weekend was awesome. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. Did you guys like... Okay, one person liked it, so that's great. I didn't get to be here, but I watched online, and I was like, man, there's so many people there. So awesome. Great. You did great. great, Ronnie. Thank you. Thank you're you. Welcome. It's fun. You're welcome. Hey, if you are new here, I want to say hi. My name is Carrie. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. And this is Ronnie. I'm also one of the teaching pastors here. We don't normally do this together, but I, it's yeah, so yeah. exciting <laughs> to be up here with you, Ronnie. Uh, hey, wh- we want to welcome you here. We want to let you know that you are loved. You are welcomed. You can sit and relax. Yes. You don't have to worry. You can take a deep breath. Just chill. I know sometimes when you come to church, you're like, I don't know if I can breathe here. <laughs> you keep my pants on tighter. You know, you don't have to. You just relax and hang out. We're going to have um, a message. Um, our friend Bonnie from Austin has yeah. flown in because we're a big deal. We fly in our preachers <laughs> um, or we're just not that good no, and we have yeah, to fly. Nobody in. wants us anywhere. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> can we actually fly someone else? Yeah. Uh, so Bonnie's here today. You're going to get a message from her. You're going to get some worship. We're going to sing a couple songs. And then we have some cool stuff to talk to you about at the end of service. Um, so you're definitely going to want to stick around for that. It's not bad news. No, it's great. <laughs> it's good news. Hey, Jack, it's good news. So we have some good stuff to share with you at the end, some stuff that's going to be really exciting for the future of Vox and, and where we're going and stuff. So you don't want to miss that. Um, For those of you that are joining us online, hello, we love you. We're so glad you're kind of here. Um, And one of the values that we have here at Vox is that you really are safe to belong and that you can talk about, we can talk about anything. And so one of the ways that we do that is through questions. You can text in questions and we answer them. And I think it's one of the unique things that we do here at Vox because I don't know, it doesn't usually seem like a back and forth dialogue um, from the stage to the audience. Um, And it is a back and forth dialogue. So if you have questions about the message or anything at all, um, text those in and we'll answer them from here. So that's what we're gonna do right now. We're gonna answer a couple of questions. Ronnie and I got a couple this week. So hi. I admire Carrie, (laughs) that's why I picked that one, Um, on how she gives grace to her mom even though things were tough. My question is, how did she get there? I have a parent that hurts me with small, painful things all the time. How can I give this parent grace, forgiveness, and accept that this parent will never be what I want or need them to be? Ah, that's a tough question, and I need a mess. I, I'm going to build a message on this. Um, but first of all, let me just say, whoever wrote that, and for all of you here that can relate to that, I'm so sorry that you're going through that. I do know what it feels like to have your expectations not be met in a parent. Um, I'll say two things really quickly that have that were fundamental and foundational in the pivot of the way I perceived um, the hurts that I experienced from my parents. Um, and I love them, and I love my mom. She did the best she could, honestly, with what she had. Forgiveness was a huge thing for me to learn. I had to learn that forgiveness had nothing to do with her. That forgiveness was the ability for me to be able to take the power back that she had over my life. And when I was able 
able to choose to do that. And it wasn't like an overnight thing. But I will tell you, there was a time where I was sitting in my therapist's office and I said, it's time to forgive her. I need to let this go. And the moment that I made that mindset change, I started to look at her through the grid of what would it be like to release her and forgive her. And it was constant. I had to constant, nope, I've forgiven her. No, I've released her. And that took time and process. But the more that I was able to apply that, the freer I became. And then in turn, something interesting happened. I started to understand, I want you to hear this clearly. She didn't mean it. She doesn't mean it. And that's something that if you can learn for all the people in your life that have hurt you or the expectations that you've had, they don't mean it. Now, how can you say that, Carrie, that justifies what they do? No, it doesn't justify what they do. But people can only give what they know and they can't extend what they don't have. So if you want grace and you want love, they have to be able to have that internally to be able to give that to you. And if they don't have that, then they can't give it. My mom didn't have the ability to even love herself, much less be able to extend that love to me. Once I understood that she didn't mean it, it wasn't personal to me. This wasn't about me. This was about her pain and her hurt. I was able to love her, and I know this sounds trite, but I really was able to love her the way Christ loved her. I was able to see her the way Jesus saw her, because she didn't mean it. And the people that have hurt you, the people that have wronged you, If you can understand and start to see through the grid of how God really does see them and understand they don't mean it, I'm telling you, freedom will be at your fingertips because what can man do to you? So really, that is really where I came from. It took a few years. It took a few years, a lot of tools and a lot of therapy. I hope that answers some of your questions. All right. Well, I'm never going to answer a question that good. So (laughs) uh, that was awesome. Thank you. All right. Let's do the next question. Oh, okay. So this one came from uh, last weekend's message. Why did Mary not recognize Jesus after spending so much time with him before his death? It's a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, you read in that passage in John 20, uh, she thought he was the gardener, you know, at one point, and Jesus comes to her. And so it's just like, how did she not know that? Well, uh, so two things. Rob Bell actually stole my message and did a podcast. I'm kidding. He did one on Easter, which is fascinating. And he took a whole um, look at John's gospel and sort of the narrative, the way he writes it. And he did this this compare and contrast about the garden story. Uh, and so the first garden, we see that there was a fall of man, Adam and Eve, and there's sin there, right? There's the fall. And then there's this sort of resurrection in a garden again. Uh, and so John has this play, in, in Rob's uh, take, there's this play of what's happening in the garden again. There's a new beginning, a new start. And so really, uh, that phrase for, for Rob is this idea that there's a, a new beginning in a garden all over again. That's one way to look at it. Uh, it's fascinating. I'd encourage you to go listen to it. Uh, I think from a pragmatic approach, if you were to kind of look at it and sort of just tease it out, I think that um, for the people who were closest to Jesus, when he died and was crucified, they did not expect him to come alive. It was the end of the story. And, and again, and a lot of people had claimed to be Savior. It wasn't just Jesus. Many people had come through towns and said they were the Savior, the Messiah, and they were crucified and they did not rise again. So when Mary went back to the tomb with the spices, she went back under the assumption that she's going to be a good Jew and do the right ritual burial that she was supposed to do for Jesus. Uh, And so I think we've we've experienced this before. Um, A friend is gone out of state, and then they come back, and you hear them, and you're not recognizing because you don't expect them to be there, and you're like, oh, wait, that, oh, you were here. I didn't, I thought you were gone. So we've had those experiences, I think, in our own personal lives where we don't expect 
to see somebody or to hear somebody, and then when we do, we're sort of shocked. So I think um, we could probably make that assumption. It's probably safe to say that Mary probably just didn't assume that Jesus would be there, and so she was shocked, and he was there. So, yeah. All right, next question. Uh, okay, why don't angels appear to people nowadays? Seems like they would be considered schizophrenic if someone today said an angel appeared to them. Yeah, yeah, probably so. Uh, it's interesting. One of the things that you see in the Bible all the time whenever angels appear, does anybody know what they say? Do not be afraid, right? right? Yeah, this is great. That should tell us something about angels, right? That they're scary looking. Um, and so I, I actually, to make a statement about why angels don't appear today, it would be, um, would be, I'd be remiss to do I, I don't know. I haven't studied enough about it to actually say. So how's that for a pastor giving you an answer? Um, I, I will say that um, when you look at scripture, uh, angels are associated with revelation and um, a prophetic utterance about what's coming or what is here. Um, and so if you look through scripture, you kind of see that that's where the angels sort of appear. And so even with Jesus, uh, there was, a, a, an announcement, there was a revelation that a new time had come. And so I don't really know why we don't. Some people, I, th- I know some theologians would say that there are angels. Um, you can look at uh, Hebrews, it talks about we entertain angels and not know it. Uh, so I don't know, I can't give you uh, my answer. I'm just saying I had to study it some more. So, but you're free to study it too, because that's part of what it means, right? Yeah. All right. Is there another one? Great. What's the difference between a skeptic and a doubter? Uh, I talked about this last week too. Um, skepticism versus cynicism, just as a recap. Uh, skepticism is this idea that I'm not sure, I don't know, I'm interested and I want to know more, allow me to ask questions and to engage, right? Uh, cynicism is I don't care, this is pointless, I want to tear it down. Um, that can be very damaging to communities, but also to you as a person if you find yourself cynical. I've been cynical of the church and I realize that's a bad part of me that I need to you know, flesh out. But um, I think when you look at doubt uh, and skepticism, I think that's a part of it. I think that saying, I don't, I'm not sure. And I think that we as a society and a culture, even today, would benefit from doubting the things that we hear right away, um, right? We, we live in a, in a place where lots of things are pushed at us. And it's like, whoa, 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 where does that come from? Now, just so you know my background, I'm a biologist, I'm a scientist. That's what I have my degree in. Um, I am a, I'm a healthy doubter and skeptic always. So whenever I read things, I'm always like, nah, I don't know. I got to see proof, right? But I think that's, that's important for us as a community, um, that we don't just take what we hear and assume it as truth, that we can actually engage in that, that we can say, I'm not really sure how I feel about that. And I think that building a robust theology as a community is to say, hey, we don't agree on everything, and that's okay. And like I said this before, there are brilliant minds on both sides of any issue who love Jesus and disagree, and that's okay. We can do that as well. So I think doubt is a healthy part of being skeptical, and I would say the biggest thing for that is I'd encourage you to actually study it. I talk to a lot of people who are skeptical, but they don't want to do the research. They don't want to study. They don't want to look at it. They just go, oh, I've heard this. Well, that, that's not really being a doubter. You're just kind of taking somebody else's word for it. So that'd be my encouragement. Yes, doubting is a part of skepticism. So is that it? Is that the last one? That's it. All right. We're done. Yeah. More questions, please. Yeah, come on. Keep them coming. Uh, also, you will see angels again. Oh, Jesus is going to come back. Angel going to be with him. So I'm just saying. If you hang out long enough, you might get to see an angel. Hey, speaking of angels, <laughs> do you like that segue? Bonnie, would you come on out? Oh, How nice. I feel like I'm moving in. I know. Wow, I'm you're so Cali right now. Yeah, welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, because Austin's... No bueno for us. We're glad you're here. <laughs> We're going to pray for Bonnie. And uh, 
because she needs it. Her little voice. Lost it. Yeah, it's like, it's actually kind of cute. So I like it when it's raspy <laughs> like this. It's, it's very Bonnie-ish. <laughs> Let me pray for you, okay? okay All right, God, we just thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for every person that came here today. No matter what the state of their heart is in, God, you are loving them and present with them. You are sitting with them and letting them know that they have not gone too far for your love, that you are with them and present with them in the peaks and the valleys. God, I just pray for Bonnie right now as she brings a message from your heart, from your word, God. I just pray, God, that you would anoint her and bless her, God, that you would keep her throat um, strong, her voice strong, that she'd be able to speak to the back of the room, God, with such authority and power from your word. We thank you, God, that your word brings healing, it brings hope, and it brings it for today. Bless her and keep her in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Hello. So um, I know I sound like I'm going through puberty. So let's do this. If I say something and it goes out and you can't hear it and you miss the whole thing, just raise your hand and I'll go back and say it again. Um, I lost my voice. And so yesterday I didn't talk at all. It's like on vocal rest and nobody in the family seems sad about it. So just leave that, leave that there. Um, so yeah, it's good to be here. We're going to just dive in. Uh, we are John 12, verses 20 through uh, like 26-ish. We'll just see how far we get, okay? So I think it's going to come on the screen. Read it along there or in your Bibles, and we're just going to go in and see what we find while we go in. Uh, verse 20. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship um, at the feast. Okay, so first, Greeks, right? We don't know what type. Um, scholars and theologians, they don't necessarily say like a certain type. But we do know that anytime someone is called out like that, a lot of times you'll see in the New Testament, it says that like the Greeks and the Jews, and really, for what we're concerned of is basically this was a group of people coming up, so traveling some sort of pilgrimage that were non-Jewish to the feast, which is the Passover feast in this, in this scenario. So a group of non-Jewish people are making a pilgrimage to a Jewish feast of Passover. And Passover, just as a reminder, was the um, celebration of when the Israelites were rescued out of uh, slavery. And so every year they, they um, celebrate this, and that's what's happening in this story. 21. So they, meaning the Greeks, came to Philip with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. And so Philip then went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip then went and told Jesus. So that's kind of odd, right? Like these people come up and they're like, hey, we want to see Jesus. And they obviously don't know Jesus. They um, aren't of the Jewish tradition. They've like done this huge pilgrimage. And Philip's like, uh, one second. And he goes and tells his friend Andrew. And then they kind of talk. And then they go and tell Jesus. And then what's interesting is we'll keep reading is Jesus doesn't, it never says that he actually even sees the Greeks, right? He actually then starts talking back to Philip and Andrew. Uh, verse 23. <clears throat> so Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. 
And so uh, Philip and Andrew come to Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, these, uh, these guys, they want to see you. And Jesus is like, oh my gosh, the hour's come. Like, he's so weird, right? <laughs> like, why? It's like, it's like always his guessing game. He's like, oh, the hour's come. And he starts talking about this like wheat metaphor. And so from the, like when we read that, it's like, like that's not helpful. And I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> like, your friends are like coming to talk to you about these people and like you just respond about wheat. Um, I think it's confusing. Um, but what Jesus is doing is when he's saying the hour has come for me, the son of man, then like again, like why are we talking in the third person? Like it's so bizarre. Um, the Son of Man has come to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel, kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And like another translation says, if it dies, it'll bear much fruit. And so he's talking about, on one level, his death. He's saying, the time has come for me to die and when I do die, this whole ministry thing we're doing here, all these things I'm saying, it's that's when you'll see the fruit of it. So here's the thing. We tend to read scripture, and I say we because I'm totally included in this, as from a very much like, when I read the Bible, I'm here to find out what Jesus is saying to me about me and my life with Jesus. And on one sense, that's true. But in another sense, we miss a big part of what's happening. And it's why some of this stuff is, can seem confusing. And so let's, let's talk about it like this. How many people here are single? I mean, like, not married, so you can be dating. OK, great. And how many people are married? OK, so um, the married people. Um, if you're sitting next to a single person, I want you to tell them that um, there are some people in the marriage that, let's see, how can I say this? The learning curve from thinking from a single mindset to a married mindset might be longer than the other person's, okay? So um, this story is shared with permission. My husband and I are married. And um, I'm like, man, I'm starving. Like, I'm just starving. And, um, you know, we're single for a long time. And so we're thinking like single people. I'm starving. I'm going to make one sandwich. Um, that kind of thing. Like, you know, maybe this is what happened. Um, and so my husband's like, oh, I'll make us sandwiches. I'm like, awesome. So uh, he's making the sandwiches. I walk into the kitchen to get something, and I glance in the way of the sandwich, as any hungry person would. And there's, you know, two sandwiches being made. And um, he comes out to the living room, and um, he's got these two plates. And on one plate, we have uh, the bread, and, you know, it's got spread on it, and, che like, cheese, you know, the works, right? And then it's got these, like, delicately folded pieces of turkey, okay? And I'm, like, a mound. Like, do you guys remember when Arby's had that home-style menu? It was like that. I don't know. Did you guys not eat that? I ate it. It was good. I would eat it again. But it's like this, like, deli sandwich, right? Like, there's, like, this mound of turkey. And then the other sandwich has um, just, like, a meager slice of turkey. And I, I'm, like, looking at that, and he's like, 
and he holds out the sandwich with one turkey slice and he's like, I'm so sorry, but we ran out of turkey before. <laughs> oh my gosh, like, Jesus, take the wheel. I'm like, what about, I'm like, what about splitting the turkey? Like there's two of us now, so it's split, split the turkey. <laughs> So, <clears throat> 10 years in, we split the turkey now. Um, but the same thing is true for when we read scripture. Um, we tend to read it as like, what is happening here for me? But the book of John is a really good reminder of why we cannot do that. So the book of John reminds us that we actually have to read it for me. Like, what is Jesus saying to me? But that so much of God's redemptive work and the way he does things is actually rooted in community. It's actually rooted as these groups of people. So the book of John is really interesting. It has a bunch of stuff in it. I guess this ties in what Ronnie was saying. I didn't listen to that Rob Bell podcast, but maybe this would be worth a listen after this. Um, The book of John has a lot of things written in it that are not in the other parables or in the other um, gospels and vice versa. And the thing is, is the book of John was written to a community that actually had gone through some trauma, okay? So it's like this community, they had been first exiled from the Jewish temple because of their beliefs, and then later the temple was destroyed. So it was like this community that was kind of beaten down and broken. And so when John is writing this gospel, he's writing to them as a whole, Have you guys, um, you know what I mean? If you've ever gone through trauma or anything hard with another person or a group of people, there's a bond there with those people. And so the book of John is such a good reminder. We actually have to read a lot of what Jesus is saying to us in light of community as well as our personal relationship with Jesus. And we get a different meaning on that. So We're going to go back. We're going to read this again in light of, that's my daughter. She's sad because she's not here. Um, We're going to read this in light of um, the lens of community, not the lens of me and Jesus, but the lens of us and Jesus. So verse 20 again. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. Okay, so if it's just us and Jesus, we're just people at the feast and these Greeks come, right? But it's actually, we know now that the, the Johanian community, that's what they call the people that this book was written to, they're this group of people that have survived sort of this trauma, this hard time as a community. And so they're probably kind of more close-knit. They're probably kind of now weary of what's to come. And so when Greeks come, it's actually this metaphor for this group of people that is super strong. It's a strong culture. And historically, they've actually influenced the Jewish culture in a way that they didn't want sometimes. Sometimes probably good, but sometimes bad. And so that's why Philip and Andrew act weird, right? Is they're on the defensive. They're sort of protecting their community and protecting what Jesus is doing there. And so when the Greeks come and they say, hey, we want to see Jesus, he is like, oh, let me ask, because he's nervous about it. He's like, do we want these outside forces in? Do we trust them? Do we want the changes of culture that are going to be made when we say, yes, you can come in and see? 
Is that something we want to expose ourselves to? And so Philip asked Andrew, and evidently they chat about it, and Andrew's like, I don't know, let's go ask Jesus. And so they ask him, they say, hey, some, you know, these people are here to see you. And so then Jesus replies out of that, right? So then verse 23, Jesus replies, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So they say, Jesus, these people are here to see you. And Jesus basically is saying, hey, my hour's come. You won't see me anymore. This is where I bow out and you're up. He says, hey, there's things in the community, just as my death, that have to die in order for it to bear fruit. So what are those things? You're up. That's what he says. It's like, I'm not going to be here anymore, right? I'm not going to be here to tell you if this is a good idea or a bad idea. You're going to have to work that out together as a community. And so when we read it like that, the call becomes very different because Jesus is saying to Philip and Andrew, you're up. He's saying, hey, church, you're up. Vox, we're up. What's our next move? See, the way that we walk forward really, really matters. The way that we talk about things together as a close-knit community matters. The Johanian community had been through some trauma. You guys know what that's like. You do. You guys are bonded in a way that's extremely different than other churches. You were birthed out of something different, and you are going forward out of something different. So we're up. What's our next move? What are the forces of culture that are knocking at our doors? Who are we going to let in for good or bad? How do we discern that? How do we discern what's next? There are some things that have to die in order for new life to be rebirthed. There are some things that will have to stay in order for community to get stronger. There are things that will have to die within ourselves, within the way we do things, within the larger scope, all of that. But when it happens, it will produce much fruit. But the hour has come, and we're up. So all throughout scripture, we see things like this, right? Like people are coming to Jesus, culture, we see it in our church all the time. There's lots of things. Do we uh, do this program? Do we listen to these people? Do we bring in this influence? We have to figure that out together. It is Jesus. Our lives with Jesus is about him and us, but it's also about him and us. So now's the time, Vox. Now is the time for us to come together and to say, okay, our, mo- our next move matters. Good. See, I believe that we look around this world and we see a lot of destruction. We see a lot of trauma personally and as in people groups as a whole. 
And I just think the world needs to be decorated with a lot of love, a lot of kindness. But you know what? You know where it starts? It's, it starts here. It starts in this room and these like little grassroots movements. I mean, that's all that the disciples were, right? I mean, these are like 12 people. A lot of scholars say, well, when the Greeks came, Jesus knew that his time was up. And that's why he responded that way. Because he's like, oh, my message has now reached the Greeks because it started out in this small thing. Well, that's how... The word spread in the beginning. There was 12 disciples, and each one of them, they came together, and they followed Jesus, and each one of them, then they told someone else, who then they told someone else, and they told someone else, and here we are. But it started small. And the disciples, they went through trauma. But they stuck it out, and they stuck together. And then out of that, they told one more person who stuck it out and stuck together, and they told one more person So I know there's a lot of change in the air here at Vox, but guess what? It's a really good thing. And our next move matters. We're up. It's our turn. What are we going to do next? So the band's going to come up and play, and I'm inviting you guys straight into communion when you're ready. Maybe there's something that you feel personally and collectively that needs to die in order for you to see some more fruit here. What are those things? Maybe let that be where you meet Jesus at the table today when you remember his broken body and blood. I'm praying for you. I'm with you. We're in this together. So let's come forward to communion when we're ready. But don't let it stop there. Let's talk to each other about it. Seek out our community pastors. Seek out our leaders. Seek out our friends. Our life together at the table groups. Let's start talking about these things. Our next move really matters. The chairs are back. The chairs are here. There's nothing to trigger. It's good. Hey, uh, no one's leaving. No one's leaving. So please. Have a seat, relax. <laughs> we are here because we just wanted to update you on a few things. Uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about um, kind of a new governance plan that we had been working on. Not necessarily new, but we wanted to make sure that we were uh, um, participating and actually living out the governance board that we uh, want to see happen. So we just want to bring you the information. We want to let you know what has happened, what we're looking forward to. And um, this governance plan really is for us to uh, have accountability when we make decisions, uh, who is on the boards that um, that make up this governance plan, and also so that we're in compliance with the state of California because we are considered a nonprofit. So that is what we want to bring in this morning. So relax. Um, popcorn is going to come in through the doors in just a second. I'm kidding. Um, but we just want to give you the information so that you know um, that Vox does have a set of organizational, um, you know, just structures that we follow so that we are moving forward because we are here to move forward we are here we want to see vox move forward yep. we're excited to see this happen we love seeing you guys here and uh, i got to tell you last week i was encouraged by the easter service and seeing everybody here and just <coughs> wanting to fall more in love with a beautiful jesus that we want to see happen here at vox so with that said we're going to begin mm-hmm. you guys yes. ready 
Let's go. All right, Andy, let's let's get it going. Yeah, first things first, uh, Natalie, if you can fire up uh, that little slide section. As that comes, I need to make a note about proper authorities. If you guys haven't noticed my socks here, the Ducks are in the playoffs. Thank the Lord. <laughs> Sports pastor. <laughs> Natalie, is that, is that going to... Is a thing there? Should be there. Is it there? Is it there? Is it there? Hmm. Is it there? We run a tight. Sorry, right, I can do this from memory. All right, here we go. In true Vox fashion. <laughs> yeah, in true Vox fashion. We don't know what we're doing. It's a tight ship. Okay, so. Surprise. Um, all right. Uh, here we go. So the past two years um, have been um, a pretty fantastic and amazing journey as far as what leadership has looked like. Um, the, the thing that we have to share that's been most critical is that the, around the table with the staff, that's really felt like, for us, what it's meant to lead a church. It's been incredibly collaborative. Um, there's been, up until this point, uh, four people, uh, one, two, three, four, five people on staff. No, four. Four. I can count. Um, four people on staff that have um, all informed how we do Sundays, all the logistical planning of what goes into making Sunday happen, the other events that we've done, Good Fridays, Easter's, all that kind of thing. Um, and it's been great. And you guys have affirmed to the fact that it's never felt like it's one man's church, but rather this became your church and you're here because of what you've gained from it and you continue to show up for that. So thank you uh, for continuing to affirm that. So we feel great about continuing in that, in that kind of direction in that type of course. Um, over the period of the past seven months, um, with uh, Mike's move to Ohio, with his um, exit eventually, um, the kind of things that you guys have submitted um, for feedback and questions. One has been, what does vision and direction uh, for the next steps of the church look like? Um, and then also accountability um, has been a big thing um, that you guys have asked about. It's like, well, what about this? Are we going to give him money to go to Ohio and start a church there? And um, all of those have been big questions that we've had to wrestle with and, and sit with there. Um, and in addition, you guys love hearing stories. And so, um, as we do too, and we just been in an interesting season for how we share those, how we'd like to continue sharing those. So um, there's big stuff coming for that soon. Um, that's not for today. Oh, do you want to say something? Yeah, no. So um, as we get into discussing, I just want to highlight there's three things that we're going to be talking about today. And these, Andy will go more into detail, but there are three boards that we want you guys to know that exist. And as we move forward, these boards exist for the accountability of Vox in making decisions. There's the um, advisory organizational board is one. There's another one. Uh, that's the board of directors. And then there's the staff elder board. Um, and those three are kind of checks and balances that kind of play within the organization so that we are um, in check, but also so that there is accountability. So we'll go through those step by step. We don't want to make this long, but we want you to get informed. And uh, we want you to be aware of what exists on these boards and how they work with each other. So mm -hmm. yep. go for it. Um, yeah. So right before... Okay, great. So with, um, with each of those boards, the... That the first kind of board that we need to establish is what's called a spiritual advisory board. Um, this is a, a board that has the ability to remove someone like a president from the board of directors. So the board of directors handles all the fiduciary responsibilities for the church. So budgets, approving salaries for hiring staff, um, and things that are kind of um, part of the organizational execution of the church itself. Not necessarily the spiritual direction of the church. Um, what are we doing as far as events? What are we doing to look at the community developing as far as what we're doing socially? But rather, here's what you guys are tithing and giving to the church. How do we best plan that money to accomplish the vision that you all are here to participate in and with, right? Um, so the spiritual advisory board, we're going to make that up of... Um, 
a handful of people that are disinterested exterior or exterior organizational leaders. So this means that we're looking for a mix of um, academic, um, nonprofit, and corporate um, business-minded folks who are able to speak in and offer objective advice to a president that's asking those questions, like, "Hey, how might you do this, or what can I do about this?" But since they they don't attend here, they're not gaining. They're not going to benefit from the decisions made by a president or CEO. Contrarily, if they're hard things and they have to offer difficult advice, they're able to do that also without feeling the pain of them making that decision as well, too, which we think objectively is is, is best. Um, this is not uncommon. This is how most churches actually function, especially when they're younger like this. Later on, a lot of churches switch to an elder board that actually oversees that. Um, we approach that a little bit differently, but um, in this case, we'll have a smaller board that is accountable to uh, the president and CEO. And that's made up of four people. It's two people that are elected in. Um, and then you have the president that sits there. And also what we've decided to do is we want a, a community pastor to sit on that board for the spiritual um, side of things so that there is that involved as well. Although the, um, the community pastor does not have voting, but they are advisory. Um, and it is uh, four that sit on that board. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So... Um so then the next, uh, the next layer is then what's called the board of directors. So again, it's more the fiduciary executive board. So this is really where legally this has to exist for a nonprofit to function. It's required to have a president CEO, um, in addition, um, a CFO and a secretary. So uh, Joanna Salt is our CFO, who's also one of our community pastors. Um, CC is our secretary um, on that board. So when Mike left, that was one of the major positions that he resigned from was the president and CEO board. So... Um, in the process of all this happening through a lot of different discussions, um, we came up with the idea. David did not, but it was presented and offered um, that we elect David to actually take on the new president and CEO position for Vox Community. I think they like it. <laughs> Um, so we presented um, that plan actually to our community pastor team about a month ago. So they've been sitting in that for a month. So this wasn't something that we rushed into and just thought, hey, that's just a cool idea. Let's just see how that goes. It really, you know, David had been praying about it and we really wanted to make a lot of space and room for basically God to tell us no. Um, and he still could. It's just at least like we've, I think, done our due diligence to, to make sure that this is a, a great next step um, for where we're going. Um, we're going to announce a couple other positions as we keep going on, but all of these new positions we're putting under um, what we're calling just a 90-day evaluation. This isn't an interim idea. This just says that for 90 days, we're going to very closely look at how all this stuff is playing out just to make sure that we are still making the right decision. Now, you guys are involved. If you guys can extend your feedback to us through info at voxoc.com, and if you guys are like, no way, this is a terrible idea don't do that, then we, you know, we want to hear from you. We want to know why you think that. So um, during that period, we can take that feedback. But, and I really said yes, because I get to make more charts. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is yeah. within my gifting. And I love, I love that side of um, just church, business, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But it's because I love this place. I want to see this place continue. But because that is my gifting um, and talking to my family and my wife, I said, you know, that's really a no-brainer. So you guys have me for... A long time. Forever. <laughs> Yay! That's huge. Yep, that's big stuff. Um, okay, so then the, the next and more of the, the more solidifying layer is then the staff and the elders. So the elders um, are made up of the staff itself and our entire community pastor team. Um, so that uh, up to this point has been David, of course, myself, um, Izzy, Stark. Hey! <laughs> 
got to get used to that. Um, uh, CC. Yes, and CC. Um, so with that said, when Mike was on the team, um, the, the role that he held was, uh, was called Vox Team Leader. Um, this was specific because we've always looked at the actual depth of the spiritual leadership of our church wrapped up in the community pastor team. Um, because like, they are the ones who live here, who attend here, um, who are outrageously committed to this community very much in a walk of life scenario. You know, the black and white of it is, unfortunately, you know, staff members could move on, board members can move on, different things happen and these kind of people can move on. But um, the community pastor team these are friends, these are people that you know um, that have been walking alongside you thus far. So we've always really tried to do whatever we can for help you guys to see that these are really the people that are going to really take this community um, somewhere. Um, so it didn't, he never wanted to take that title of lead pastor. It just didn't like really re truly represent what we thought philosophically was sound for us. Um, that being said though, the, the hole that he left was what responsibility-wise is how we view the idea of vision, direction, community develop, uh, community development, and spiritual formation from the church of the church. Like, who's the one really thinking about carrying the spiritual weight of the church? How do we develop that? Where do we go with it? How do we dream about that and plan that? So that we needed to basically fulfill that role. Um, that being said, we have officially hired Ronnie Roa to take on that role. Yep. And um, Ronnie, if you could kind of share your thoughts about that, um, you know, a, he was going to plant a church, uh, <laughs> so we probably want to know what's up with that. <laughs> uh, this is all news to me, just happened, I found out this morning, so <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, if you're new, and this is like your first time to church, I'm sorry, this is not normal, yeah. uh, no, but uh, not. if you were dragged here by a friend, this is... This is uh, I will say that this is not normal. Of the churches I've been, you never get this sort of vulnerability and transparency from a leadership in a, in a setting like this. So um, this, is, this is great for me. Um, yeah, so we were in the process of planting a church, my wife and I, and with some friends. And the last year and a half of our life has really sort of been in this transition. And we've had to have open hands, um, which is one of the hardest things to do. Because naturally, we want to just grab a hold of something that solidifies so we know where we're going. But um, it's proven that God has just continued to show up in ways that we just did not expect. Um, and so we had been talking about planning a church. And, and I'll say this, um, I, I came with a lot of wounds and a lot of baggage and hurt from church. I've been in church for a while. And Vox was like this medicine for my soul. Uh, I didn't think it was possible to be at a church and feel the way that I felt and to have the experiences that I had. Um, and so I wanted to be. I wanted to start a church like that, and so we we had dreamed about that. And um, as things kind of moved forward and progress happened, uh, an opportunity came, and it was this opportunity to step in at Vox and, and help this community transition through a time of hurt and pain. And I thought, you know, this is we're supposed to be planning this church. What do you want us to do, God? And so my wife and I, we were you know anguishing over this and praying and going, what do we do? And I think in the end of it, um, Vox has, has had such a healing impact in my life. If I could be able to put a healing impact in the life of the church and help it move forward, um, it was really a no-brainer at the end of the day for us. And so um, we're excited to be here. We, we've talked to the other couple. We were honest with them the whole time, this whole process of what's been happening. They prayed with us. They agree. They affirmed this decision in us. Um, and so it, I, I can say this, and this is probably more personal, but um, this is the first time in uh, like a decade I've been happy about ministry in church. Um, and I love this community and I love you guys. And so thank you. Awesome. Um, 
Brad, we're really excited to have Ronnie. Um, the conversation as we introduced this just felt, you know, it felt affirmed and God's hands were on all of this um, along the way. And um, it's, it's really felt really incredible to, to do this with you so far and, and, and be here on this journey. Um, before I kind of ne- get to the next um, announcement, um, uh, the teaching team. I want to talk just a little bit about the teaching team. One thing you guys have expressed is how much you've enjoyed that, how much that has um, offered a way to experience scripture dynamically from different voices. Um, and we love that about this. It was kind of a, a happenstance that we got there as fast as we did when Mike originally left. We kind of had to rush into a teaching team. But um, quite frankly, I, I'm a little glad it happened when it because we were still early enough to where we could kind of take it on and really give it a try. And um, you've all expressed um, incredible affirmation for that. And so uh, thank you guys. So we're going to continue to do that. Um, Ronnie um, is, of course, a part of that teaching team. Um, As it exists right now, uh, Bonnie has been uh, coming in and helping us out. She's been here since the beginning, helping out with teaching. You know, we fly her in. She's our posh pastor. (laughs) Um, Right? Uh, Will Anderson, um, who's been with us from the beginning, too. He he plays drums for us. Um, He's been taking up some slots the past couple of months, so um, he's with us teaching on our team as well. He's not here right now, but he's here. Um, And then, of course, uh, Tim Muehlhoff, who has been here and um, caring for this church and supporting this church. Um, along the way. Um, I want to give Tim the mic and uh, give him a chance to share some of his thoughts and uh, a little bit of an update of what's going on with him. Yeah, real quick. I, I want to publicly affirm David real quick. Remember a couple months ago, he said that there was a passion he had on his heart of how to use physical training to be a ministry. And I really commend him that he's put that on the side burner because of the needs of this community and the, the gifting that he has. And I just want to publicly affirm him that that's, that's pretty amazing. And I think God's going to greatly honor that. So David, thank you. Hey, uh, the teaching team is amazing here, Uh, an amazing group of individuals that uh, we have grown really fond of. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm going to have to step away from the teaching team in consultation with my neurologist. Um, Those of you who have heard me preach on trials and migraines, uh, my neurologist basically said I've reached such a high level of brilliance (laughs) that my... Well, she didn't exactly say it like that, but I... That's what you heard. That's what I heard. I interpreted it. No, my neurologist simply, in consultation with me and my wife, just basically um, did a very interesting exercise. Uh, She said, I want you to put everything that's on your plate right now, everything. And I did in front of my wife. And then she said, now tell me what came off of your plate to put those things on your plate. My wife literally laughed. She laughed. And, uh, and so I am just to a stage right now where I just need periods where my brain is off. Uh, and my responsibilities at Biola have really grown over the years. So I just feel like uh, for the sake of my marriage, for the sake of my personal health, I just need to kind of step away. And, but I'm so pleased that you're in such great hands with the teaching team here that it really makes it easy for me to step away knowing uh, the hearts of these individuals and the passion that they have. Now, here's the good news. I'm not done yet. I'm not quite in the grave yet. Um, so I'm going to preach next weekend. And then I'm going to preach uh, once in May. And I really have felt the Lord lead me to preach two sermons on uh, throughout the course of my ministry and walking with the Lord, what have been the two most reoccurring convictions I felt like the Holy Spirit has laid on my heart. So next week, you're going to get uh, one of the biggest ones I have about neighbor love, and then you're going to get one about what is God's love really like based on stories that Jesus told about the Father's love. So um, 
It's been great. Uh, you're in great hands. So we just kind of wanted to make that announcement. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, great. And so then uh, the next part of the conversation, still uh, with the the staff and the teaching, um, one of the things that we've also learned over the past two years is a lot of you have expressed feedback um, regarding needs for additional care, uh, whether it's counseling, how are we approaching mental illness, um, what's our considerations for all of that. So while we definitely have um, a dialogue scripturally and theologically regarding the idea of spiritual formation. Simultaneously, we're also observing, though, when people step forward and say, I'm broken, but I need tools. I need something next to at least start walking through this period of whether it's for forgiveness or um, dealing with depression, anxiety, and all of that. Um, we realize that it would be fantastic to have someone intentionally overseeing and looking at where that goes. Um, so that said, um, we've also hired Carrie here with us now on our team at Vox. <clears throat> Yay. <laughs> and um, so Carrie, of course, will be teaching on our team as well, um, but uh, she will be um, offering um, some incredible resources around how do we, you know, how she's able to train through how we approach those conversations and approach those different dialogues in a multiple of different ways. And so one way will be helping to actually train the community pastors um, throughout the next year uh, through those processes. And then in addition, we're going to be offering actually church-wide um, opportunities for you guys to come to, to receive training for then how might you be able to practice that too? Because if you have a neighbor that comes over that just experienced something tragic, what do you know exactly about how to walk with that person through it too? And we want you guys to have um, a bit more awareness of that kind of thing. But I'll let Carrie go ahead and share a few comments about coming on. And Well, I'm excited um, for what you guys are doing. And I just, like, I just love you guys. I would not have said yes if I didn't think you guys were awesome. Because I only say yes to awesome things. Um, and you guys are awesome. And again, if you are new here. This is super weird. Um, so please don't be weirded out. Come back. Just come back. Give us one more try. Um, I am honored to be here and step into this role. Um, my husband and I prayed about it a lot. I know a lot of you have asked a lot of questions like, you're really busy. How are you saying yes to this? And I'm like, ah, what's one more thing? Um, it really actually goes in line with what I'm already doing. I, I opened recently um, in this last month a counseling and coaching center in Orange County um, called Freedom Center. Yeah. Thank you, four people. Um, and so that already kind of goes in line with what I do and my heart for that. But what I can do on stage um, is different than what I can do sitting around the table and really knee to knee with you guys going, how do we walk through this if we're struggling with something? If there's a larger kind of issue in the church, um, I would be able to speak into that and like, how do we kind of handle that or, or deal with that? Definitely coupling up with Ronnie um, and and really coming alongside him and, and, and helping with the spiritual formation of the church and stuff. But really, like looking at more individual care. And so that stuff excites me. We want hope and healing today. And we don't believe here that that's just for the heavens. I actually believe that you can be free and have hope and healing here right now. Um, so I want to offer that to you. And I believe the Bible is an incredible source. See, I'm weird. I think theology actually dictates psychology. And so I believe that through the word of God and through the grid of that, we can actually not only help you start to heal the very fragile places of your heart, but in turn, free people, free people. So then in turn, these seats will be filled with people who are hurting and they can be safe here. And then we can extend care to them. That's what I want to do. And that's what I hope you guys will link arms with me to do together. So I'm excited to be here. Fantastic. So it's been, you know, no a, a, yeah, 
Go team. It's been an incredible journey the past month for us. Um, we felt affirmed by the community pastor team, by so many folks who've expressed feedback along the way, and um, we're super excited. So um, what's coming next for all of us, um, this Tuesday even, we've committed an entire all-day meeting where we're getting the chance to really look at the present, look at the past, and then kind of dream about the future. And so we all feel like we can stack hands in a sense of ownership of what comes next for um, expanding the existing vision of what Fox currently is and what it could be. Um, what, we have one tool that would be really helpful if you guys would, would do this for me. Um, with Carrie and Ronnie being new, um, I've created a bit of a survey that's just on the front page of the website. It's just voxoc.com slash survey. Um, when you guys get a chance, if you can go there. But it's just, all it is, is it's just a few questions that actually help us understand who's here. You know, just some objective questions to kind of give us a better idea. We always guess and we kind of have conversations and, and, and I don't know, we're probably like 10% accurate, but, um, you know, <laughs> just little, a little bit of data like this just helps us to kind of like say, okay, how close is our guessing? Um, cause it does help us understand where do we put more time and effort into different areas and what, what is most helpful for you guys as a community? Um, because of the Q and a, um, because of the prayers that you guys submit, that's kind of been the best spiritual pulse that we've had. So one, never be afraid to ask questions, please, by all means, submit yes. those questions. Cause that, you know, when you ask the questions about, well, yeah, why didn't Mary recognize Jesus, someone else in the other seat is like, I was wondering the same thing, but they just never thought to ask that question. So you guys all asking questions is helpful for us to realize who's here and it's, it's going to return as helpful for you guys too. Um, lastly, um, lastly, um, you know, if you guys want to keep pouring into this and seeing this continue to happen, um, we do have participation boxes um, at the doors. Um, that is our way of financial viability here and, and continuing to do this. So uh, by all means, um, that would be great. Nice. The help there would be great. Um, final thoughts. And then um, I'm going to have Tim actually pray for our team and for Ronnie and Carrie and, and send us off. But we won't really do a Q&A right now on the best interest of time. But please, if you have any questions, come up to us, talk to us about it, email at info at voxoc.com. Um, we obviously want to continue dialoguing about it, but awesome. I'll let David have some last uh, thoughts. Before you pray, Tim, I want to return the affirmation and just say thank you. You have stepped in many times, many times. Yep. And you have been a source of comfort for many, a source of stability for many. Yes. And um, you are much appreciated. And yes, we have two more teachings with you, but you have given to this community so much. So I would like for all of us to pray for him. And then you could pray for us. Is that okay? Yeah. 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 Would you all uh, maybe extend a hand towards him? Um, and uh, let's go to the Lord. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this amazing community of people. Lord, thank you that this place is a safe place. We've all experienced that. I know that, Father. Yes. Lord, we thank you for this man who has come, has filled shoes, has given hope, has given um, just words of affirmation, and has met us through your spirit where we're at, Father. Lord, I pray specifically for... Um, mm, just healing for him. God, I pray that you would allow him um, to experience freedom from these migraines, Lord. I really do. But Lord, if it takes for him to actually step back and to consider himself a little bit first, then by all means, God, we pray that you would allow that to happen. I pray for his marriage, that you'd continue to build them up, continue to make them strong, Father. But Lord, I just am so grateful for him as a friend, but also as a leader and a speaker, Father. 
God, uh, we are lucky to have him. And God, I just pray that you would continue to use him uh, and you continue to make him strong. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Crying does give me a migraine. So, David, thank you for that. (laughs) I can't help that. Hey, the Bible tells us where to pray for leadership. I I just finished a book on spiritual battle and really opened my eyes to the reality of what Scripture says. So, these people sitting in front of you do it at great cost to their time, and they do open themselves up to spiritual opposition. I really believe that that's true. That's why we're commanded to pray for those in leadership. So, extend a hand towards this leadership team. Father, thank you for the men and women on the stage. Uh, They have plenty on their plates. They have plenty to do, and yet uh, the calling is to this community. Father, you know every person in this audience, you know every person of the Vox community, and you love each one. And yet people need shepherding. People need care. Uh, Life is hard, filled with crises as well as trials. And uh, someone needs to be there to minister. So I pray for each person up here on the stage. I pray for their marriages, that you would protect them. Um, Father, ministry sometimes can overtake uh, the calling of having godly marriages. So I pray that they'd be in it together, that they'd be affirming each other on multiple levels. I pray for this congregation, that they would always take the time to say thank you to their leadership. Always take time to appreciate and to voice concerns and to have the freedom to do that. So, Father, what a unique community this is. And uh, we feel your favor, and we pray that that favor would be abundantly apparent to this leadership team and to each one of us as we walk out of this room. So we do pray in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen. You are dismissed. Thanks for listening to the Vox Community Podcast. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voxcommunity. Participate in the Vox Community at voxoc.com slash participate.